Hello, friends. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide Podcast. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and I am pleased to serve as your reading coach and tour guide as we make our way through all 66 books of the Bible this year. Today is September 21st, a very special day as it is the birthday of our darling daughter, Heather Garwood, who cannot be with us recording this morning because she is approximately 3,000 miles away, married to Phil Garwood, pastor in La Grande, Oregon. So from a distance, we wish you a happy birthday celebration. Today we are in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament, and we will be finishing the book of Galatians in the New Testament and starting the book of Ephesians tomorrow. As we've mentioned in earlier episodes of this podcast, the book of Isaiah is like a mini-Bible, and we are coming to the end of the Old Testament section of the book of Isaiah in the sense that We have read of the judgments that have come upon Israel and the nations as a result of their disobedience. When we get to chapter 40, we will hear the good news of comfort with the announcement of the work of the Messiah, the Redeemer. We are in chapter 37 today, which is in the historical section of that book. You may recall that yesterday we left Hezekiah and those in Jerusalem intimidated by the slander of the Assyrians. But Hezekiah had the good sense to turn it over to the Lord. Let's pick up where we left off yesterday. Isaiah chapter 37. Hezekiah seeks Isaiah's help. As soon as King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes and covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. And he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, and Shebna the secretary and the senior priests, covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, the son of Amos, They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the point of birth, and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the young men of the king of Assyria have reviled me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him, so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. The Rabchakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had left Lachish. Now the king heard concerning Terhaka, king of Cush, he has set out to fight against you. And when he heard it, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus shall you speak to Hezekiah, king of Judah. Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you by promising that Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all lands, devoting them to destruction, and shall you be delivered? Have the gods of the nations delivered them? the nations that my fathers destroyed, Gozan, Haran, Rezeph, and the people of Eden who were in Telassar? Where is the king of Hamath, the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Zephavarim, the king of Hena, the king of Iva? Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. And Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord and spread it before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord of hosts, 
God of Israel, enthroned above the cherubim. You are the God, you alone, of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear all the words of Sennacherib, which he has sent to mock the living God. Truly, O Lord, the kings of Assyria have laid waste all the nations and their lands, and have cast their gods into the fire. For they were no gods, but the work of men's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they were destroyed. So now, O Lord our God, save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone are the Lord. Then Isaiah, the son of Amos, sent to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria, this is the word that the Lord has spoken concerning him. She despises you, she scorns you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She wags her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you mocked and reviled? Against whom have you raised your voice and lifted your eyes to the heights? Against the Holy One of Israel? By your servants you have mocked the Lord, and you have said, With my many chariots I have gone up the heights of the mountains to the far recesses of Lebanon to cut down its tallest cedars, its choicest cypresses, to come to its remotest height, its most fruitful forest. I dug wells and drank waters to dry up with the sole of my foot all the streams of Egypt. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass, that you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins, while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded, and have become like plants of the field, and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops, blighted before it is grown. I know you're sitting down, and you're going out and coming in, and you're raging against me. Because you have raged against me, and your complacency has come to my ears, I will put my hook in your nose and my bit in your mouth, and I will turn you back on the way by which you came. And this shall be the sign for you. This year you shall eat what grows of itself, and in the second year what springs from that. Then in the third year sow and reap, and plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. And their surviving remnant of the house of Judah shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem shall go a remnant, and out of Mount Zion a band of survivors. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning the king of Assyria, He shall not come into this city, or shoot an arrow there, or come before it with a shield, or cast up a siege mound against it. By the way that he came, by the same he shall return, and he shall not come into this city, declares the Lord. For I will defend this city to save it, for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch his god, Adramelech, and Sharezer, his sons, struck him down with the sword. And after they escaped into the land of Ararat, Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. Chapter 38 Hezekiah's Sickness and Recovery In those days Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. 
And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die, you shall not recover. Then Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, and said, Please, O Lord, remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Then the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, behold, I will add fifteen years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and will defend this city. This shall be the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has promised. Behold, I will make the shadow cast by the declining sun on the dial of Ahaz turn back ten steps. So the sun turned back on the dial the ten steps by which it had declined. A writing of Hezekiah king of Judah, after he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, In the middle of my days I must depart. I am consigned to the gates of Sheol for the rest of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, the Lord in the land of the living. I shall look on man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My dwelling is plucked up and removed from me like a shepherd's tent. Like a weaver I have rolled up my life. He cuts me off from the loom. From day to night you bring me to an end. I calmed myself until morning. Like a lion he breaks all my bones. From day to night you bring me to an end. Like a swallow or a crane I chirp. I moan like a dove. My eyes are weary with looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Be my pledge of safety. What shall I say? For he has spoken to me and he himself has done it. I walk slowly all my years because of the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Behold, it was for my welfare that I had great bitterness, but in love you have delivered my life from the pit of destruction, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. For shale does not thank you, death does not praise you. Those who go down to the pit do not hope for your faithfulness. The living, the living, he thanks you, as I do this day. The Father makes known to the children your faithfulness. The Lord will save me, and we will play my music on stringed instruments all the days of our lives at the house of the Lord. Now Isaiah had said, Let them take a cake of figs and apply it to the boil, that he may recover. Hezekiah also had said, What is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? And this concludes today's portion from the Old Testament, from the prophet Isaiah. Now let's take a few moments to recap, reflecting upon what we have just read. Our reading began with the captain of the Assyrian guard slandering the God of Israel and its king. How the enemy loves to bully and intimidate. Satan is a liar, slanderer, and accuser and his men become fluent in his native language. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, the Greek word used for devil is diabolos, which literally means slanderer. His method of belittling that which is honorable and degrading that which is holy is evident in the behavior of fallen man. Sennacherib and his Assyrian commander, the Rabkashah, meaning chief of the princes, taunt, goad, threaten, and ridicule King Hezekiah. They seek to undermine all godly counsel by frightening and deceiving whatever ears they can capture. Hezekiah's servants, Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah, 
were wise to obey King Hezekiah's command not to answer the enemy. If you wrestle with a skunk, you end up smelling like one. Do not give in to the enemy's lies. The servants take the report to Hezekiah. In chapter 37, King Hezekiah responds to the report given to him by his administrative staff by tearing his robes and covering himself with sackcloth. His servants do the same. Hezekiah goes to the house of the Lord and prays. There is nothing that he can do to save the city other than to call upon God for deliverance. Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah go to the prophet Isaiah in the hope that he will receive a word from the Lord. It may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the Rapkasha, whom his master the king of Assyria has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that the Lord your God has heard. Therefore lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. Isaiah chapter 37 verse 4 Isaiah tells the men not to fear, because God has pledged to confound the plan of the Assyrians to capture Jerusalem and turn them back. He will also cause the Assyrian king, Sennacherib, to fall by the sword in his own land, in verse 7. Hezekiah and his men have only the word of the Lord to trust. Their circumstances do not change instantly. The Rabshakeh returns to the king of Assyria with no clue that the Holy One of Israel has pledged to protect Jerusalem. We walk by faith and not by sight. Sometimes situations do not seem to improve immediately, even when we have a sure word from God. Sennacherib's troops are ravaging Judah. God allows this as part of the promised chastisement for Judah's infidelities. The Assyrians and their king were now at Lachish, thirty miles southwest of Jerusalem. Here they learned that the Egyptian and Cushite troops were coming to aid Hezekiah. This motivates Sennacherib to step things up with plans to take Jerusalem. Once again, he sends messengers back to Hezekiah with a letter to warn him of his foolishness to trust his God for protection. Hezekiah takes the insolent, intimidating letter from Sennacherib, lays it out before the Lord, and prays. It is a good illustration of how we should bring everything to the Lord in prayer. This is especially true in times of crisis. Hezekiah's humble prayer is similar to the prayer of the disciples of the early church in Acts chapter 4, verses 24 through 31, and is packed with good biblical theology. The Lord responds to Hezekiah's prayer by giving his word through the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 37, verses 22 through 35, proclaiming that Sennacherib will be defeated. Have you not heard that I determined it long ago? I planned from days of old what now I bring to pass, that you should make fortified cities crash into heaps of ruins, while their inhabitants, shorn of strength, are dismayed and confounded, and have become like plants of the field and like tender grass, like grass on the housetops blighted before it is grown. Isaiah chapter 37 verses 26 and 27. God delivers Jerusalem not because its inhabitants deserved it, but because of his covenant with David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7. For I will defend this city to save it, for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Isaiah chapter 37 verse 35. The fulfillment of the prophecy is recorded in verses 36 through 38. And the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and returned home and lived at Nineveh. And as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch his god, Adramelech 
and Sharazer, his sons, struck him down with the sword, and after they escaped into the land of Ararat, Esarhaddon, his son, reigned in his place. Isaiah 37, verses 36-38 through 38. Bible scholars believe that Psalm 126 was written about these events recorded in Isaiah chapters 37-38. through 38. It was a sudden, miraculous deliverance. When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Psalm 126, verse 1. In chapter 38, we read of Hezekiah's sickness that was leading to an expected death. Isaiah tells Hezekiah what the Lord has said, Get your house in order, you will not recover, you will die. Hezekiah turns his face to the wall and prays for favor. Isaiah returns to Hezekiah to let him know that God heard his prayer and would grant him fifteen more years to live. He would see the hand of the Lord's deliverance of Judah from the domination of the Assyrians. The Babylonians would invade after Hezekiah is gone. There are some sad events in Hezekiah's fifteen extra years. Manasseh, his son, is born and becomes the most wicked king in the Davidic line. The prophet Isaiah served as Hezekiah's medical advisor by telling the king's attendants what medicine to apply. This illustrates that God can heal by any means he desires. Hezekiah was weak in his physical condition and weak in his faith. He needed assurance. God built up his faith by confirming his promise with a sign. He had the shadow cast on the sundial go back ten steps. Isaiah includes in his compendium a psalm that Hezekiah writes after he is healed. It contains his healing prayer. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. O restore me to health and make me live. Isaiah chapter 38 verse 16. In his prayer, Hezekiah expresses his gratitude for God's gift of forgiveness. Lo, for my own welfare I had great bitterness. It is you who has kept my soul from the pit of nothingness, for you have cast all my sins behind your back. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 17. Hezekiah is eager to receive the spectacular sign that the Lord promised would encourage him. We would love to see it too, for how do you explain it? God is God. Now let's move on to today's reading from the New Testament, Paul's letter to the Galatians, chapter 6, verses 1 through 18. Bear one another's burdens. Chapter 6 Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. 
It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh who would force you to be circumcised, and only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law, but they desire to have you circumcised that they may boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament, and it concludes Paul's letter to the Galatians. Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, and Matthew chapter 8, verses 15 through 17, and Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, gives us instruction for godly conflict resolution and restoration of fellowship among believers. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus warns us to take the beam out of our own eye before taking out the speck in our brother's eye. The legalist tends to be harder on others than he is on himself. How do we handle someone who suddenly is overtaken by sin? Paul is using this as an illustration of how legalism is quick to measure others with their own standards of righteousness with little compassion for the other person's welfare. The spirit-filled believer would seek to restore them to a right relationship with God and with his people. Paul says that they are to do this with the tender care of a physician as he skillfully sets a dislocated bone back into place. They operate with humility and a spirit of gentleness. We are called to use our liberty to serve one another. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, our concern should be to minister to as many as we can, recognizing their struggles and offering assistance where we can. This is what it means to bear one another's burdens while maintaining our own responsibilities. The Spirit-filled believer will want to share what they have been given with others, and they will give special attention to those who nourish the spiritual life of the community with the Word of God. The one who is taught the Word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Galatians chapter 6, verse 6. In the context of the letter, Paul has been contrasting those who live by the law, relying on the flesh, and those who live by the indwelling life of Christ in the Spirit. The legalist is preoccupied with himself and his own performance. The person living by grace is motivated by love and seeks the benefit of others. The legalist likes to make himself look better by making others look worse. Paul makes the contrast clear. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. When Paul speaks of sowing, he is speaking of our various investments of time, energy, deeds, and material possessions. We can use our time, energy, and material goods to promote the flesh, that is our old life in Adam, or to promote the things of the Spirit. In the end, we can't change the harvest. We reap what we sow. The time, energy, and money cannot be reclaimed. 
Are you investing in that which is pleasing to the Holy Spirit and results in eternal life that glorifies Christ? Paul customarily dictated his letter to a scribe called an amanuensis, but at the close he would often take the pen and write his own closing farewell. He wrote this final paragraph in large letters, probably for emphasis. Some scholars believe that the large letters were a result of the eye trouble inferred in Galatians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15. We don't know for sure, but the idea of special emphasis makes sense. Paul's goal is to convince these gullible Galatians to be rid of the Judaizers and their influences. Christianity is not about dressing up the old nature to appear righteous. It is about God rendering righteous judgment upon the flesh, our old nature in Adam, so we could live as a new creation in Christ. There is no righteousness, there is no life without the cross. Yet the preaching of the cross is an offense to all those who seek righteousness through any other means. Do we live for the praise of men or for the glory of God? Do you compromise the gospel by keeping up the appearance that you were made righteous through your own efforts and outward conformity to religious tradition? Is our boast in our brand of Christianity? Or is it in the finished work of Christ? Is He all your righteousness? But may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither is circumcision anything or uncircumcision, but a new creation. The world loves its own, but those that belong to Christ are no longer in the flesh, that is, in Adam, or in the hold of the world system of the devil, the cosmos diabolicus. Paul rests his case. He is a marked man. He has suffered for Christ and bears the marks on his own body. He knows how the world treats Christ is the way Christians will be treated. He is unashamed of the gospel. From now on, let no one cause trouble for me, for I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brethren. Amen. Galatians chapter 6, verses 17 through 18. Now we move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, and we're reading Psalm 65, verses 1 through 13. O God of our salvation, a Psalm of David, Psalm 65, Praise is due to you, O God, in Zion, and to you shall vows be performed. O you who hear prayer, to you shall all flesh come. When iniquities prevail against me, you atone for our transgressions. Blessed is the one you choose and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. By awesome deeds you answer us with righteousness, O God of our salvation, the hope of all the ends of the earth and of the farthest seas, the one who by his strength established the mountains, being girded with might, who stills the roaring of the seas, the roaring of their waves, the tumult of the peoples, so that those who dwell at the ends of the earth are in awe at your signs. You make the going out of the morning and the evening to shout for joy. You visit the earth and water it. You greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water. You provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its furrows abundantly, settling its ridges, softening it with showers, and blessing its growth. You crown the year with your bounty, your wagon tracks overflow with abundance. The pastures of the wilderness overflow. The hills gird themselves with joy. The meadows clothe themselves with flocks. The valleys deck themselves with grain. They shout and sing together for joy. 
The psalmist extols reasons why the Lord deserves worldwide attention and extravagant praise. He hears our prayers in verse 2 and forgives our sin in verse 2. He chose us in verse 4. He satisfies us with good things in His house, that is, in Christ. His most awesome deed of righteousness in verse 5 is what He accomplished as our Savior on the cross. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe and should be recognized so by all people throughout the earth in verses 8 through 13. All should shout and sing His praise in verse 13. And now for our final stop on our Bible reading tour, we go to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 23, verses 24 and 25. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. The reward of parenthood is seeing the result of consistently providing spiritual nurture and discipline so as to instill in one's children a desire to live in a God-glorifying manner. Now let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that we can come to you with all of our cares. When bad news arrives, we can lay it all before you. You have proven to be faithful, O God, in every situation. We put our trust in you. Our prayer is that all the earth would give you praise, honoring you as Creator, Sustainer, Redeemer, Deliverer, and Righteous King and Judge. Thank you for welcoming us into your forever family. In Jesus' name, Amen. Well, this concludes today's tour in our Bible reading, and we look forward to continuing tomorrow as we will be seeing much of Christ in the book of Isaiah, and we will be starting the book of Ephesians, which some consider to be the Mount Everest of the New Testament. If you would like to receive a written copy of our daily commentary on the one-year Bible, you can go to our website, newlife.org, and if you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can write us at podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, may I encourage you to cast your every care upon the Lord because he cares for you. Shalom. Shalom.